Church, we're in our last week of our belief series, and I'm, I'm really, I really want to bring you, you know, one of the things that as, as a pastor is I hate, in a sense, people who preach stuff that is not relevant to your life, amen? Sometimes you need to hear something that's just relevant to your walk with God. It's relevant to, to what you're going through. Anybody going through some stuff or anybody have a picture-perfect life? Because if you got a picture perfect life, maybe you should be preaching and I should and amen. But I, I believe that over the course of a year, over the course of a year, a believer can grow tired. A believer can grow weary. Over the course of a year, a believer can fall into sin. Anybody here willing to be honest? And don't scare our visitors, but serving God is hard. He says his burden's easy, his yoke is light. And that's true. But it's light in comparison to the burden of sin. And the burden of sin is death. That's the wages of it. But the burden of Jesus is still to walk in right standing with God. And and. Jesus said it best in John 16, In this world, you will have trouble. And all the church said, But take heart, for I, Jesus, I have overcome the world. I don't know about you. I've said it before. I feel like trouble knows my address. Amen. Trouble knows my phone number. Amen. This next one, I better hear a shout. Trouble knows how to text me. Yes, praise God. Yes, Jesus. Trouble knows how to Facebook me. And the whole church said, mmm. Trouble knows how to indirect Facebook at me. Trouble knows how to find you, no matter what situation and what place in life you're in. And throughout the year, if we're brutally honest, the name of my sermon today is when God doesn't feel good. When serving God doesn't feel good. When you feel like acting up. If we're brutally honest, doing the right thing doesn't always feel good. Sometimes you get caught up in situations where your flesh wants to act in one way, but your spirit and the character of Christ demands that you act in another way. And if you're asking me what the character of Christ demands you act like, you're probably still acting in the character of flesh. The character of Christ demands certain criteria and actions of your life. I want to talk to some real people today who who 2014 was highlighted by like a roller coaster, ups and downs, high moments and low moments, good times and some bad times. Doesn't matter what your plan is. Doesn't matter what your strategy for the year is. Oftentimes you might hit a bump in the road. Oftentimes you might hit a time or a patch in your life where nothing you went through was what you planned. I was watching one of those viral videos on Facebook and it was of this fighter and he was fighting and these fighters when they fight they plan their strategy for months I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to train for this and I'm going to train for that and I'm going to train for this and do this and do that and this is my conditioning and I know he fights like this so I'm going to fight like that and then at some point in this fight 
the father gets knocked out just boom on his back. What do you do when the whole plan of your life falls apart? When your year seems to be at a loss? God doesn't always feel good. Ministry doesn't always feel good. It isn't always fun serving God. It isn't always easy. It's rarely ever stress-free. And following God doesn't always, I wish I had an honest church, doesn't always feel rewarding. Doesn't always feel like you're getting what you're worth. There'll be days when you feel unappreciated, taken for granted. Days where you feel like no one cares about you. Days where you feel like the worst is still yet to come. You feel like you're working in vain and nothing's happening and God doesn't care. And in those moments, Paul writes a scripture. And he writes this scripture pertaining to these moments. These moments where you feel like God maybe isn't with you, like God has abandoned you. And we find that scripture nestled in Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse nine. Maybe you've heard it before, but I want to shed new light today over your spirits in this verse. And Paul writes, he's writing to the church in Galatia, and he says, let us not grow weary. Let us not become weary in doing good. He says, don't get tired of doing the right thing. For at the proper, somebody say proper, time, you're going to reap a harvest if you do not give up. If you don't give up on God, in the midst of all the fury, in the midst of all the issues, in the midst of all the problems, if you refuse to give up on God, something's going to come your way that you never expected. Come on, bow your heads right now. The worship was through the roof, and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to change some lives today, not just touch him. He's going to redirect him in this moment. Come on, dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. Our hearts are open for you, God. We receive you in this moment and we give you absolute control and we ask you that you would just move and touch hearts today. In Jesus' name, we pray. We've been going through these last three weeks and we've been giving affirmations, public statements that we believe for the rest of our year. Here's my last affirmation for you, and I think it is the most pertinent one, and I believe this one with my entire being. And here it is. Here it is. I believe there is a harvest coming your way. Hey, I'm going to preach to you, Yoshi. You just got married. Amen. You believing in the harvest. Amen. I believe there's a harvest coming your way this year. Anybody else believe that? I'm believing God for a mighty harvest in my life. I'm believing that God's going to do something above what I could imagine and above what I could have ever done myself. Paul is addressing this church in Galatia. In this passage of scripture, he's been speaking to them in chapter 6 about carrying one another. Somebody say one another. One another's burdens. He's talking about this context he's talking about is when you sow into leadership and you sow into the teachers and when you sow into one another. Paul's like this master pastor. He's like an evangelist of evangelists. He's the apostle of apostles. He's planted churches all over the world. And he's saying to this church in Galatia, listen, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of well-doing. Paul addresses church this unavoidable fact that when you do good, you will grow weary. I don't care how much you love your job, sometimes you get tired at work. 
doesn't matter if you love your job with all of your being. Some days you don't feel like going to work. Somebody said amen. Unless you got nine kids at home. That's besides the point. But anyways, listen. Sometimes you get tired. Sometimes you want to sleep all day. Sometimes you want to beat your alarm clock with a sledgehammer. But you won't do it because now your alarm clock is the phone. Nobody has an alarm clock on the side of their bed unless you're over 45. You just told your age, Mike. Amen. Praise God. All the old people said, well, pastor, that's not right. Sometimes you don't want to get out of bed. And Paul is addressing church the unavoidable fact where he says you're going to get tired. This Greek word used for weary is the word egg kakio, which means this. It's, it means to be discouraged or to lose heart. To be discouraged, meaning to, to be upset that you're not seeing the results that you want. Like the person who goes to the gym for one week and then says, this isn't working. You've been going for a week. And sometimes you want to serve God for a year and have him turn around the rest of our lives that we made mistakes in. You want to serve God for three months and when something goes wrong, God, this isn't working. You had years of bad seeds that we've sown, but we want God to turn around in an instant. And Paul says, listen, church, listen, listen, don't grow discouraged in doing the right thing. He says, listen, I know this walk is tough. Come on, the church said amen. I know sowing into people in God at times can be tough. I know oftentimes it seems like everything you do is in vain. But listen, don't be discouraged because the Lord told me if you don't give up, there's a harvest coming your way. If you refuse to give up on what God has purposed you and called you to do, he's going to bring a harvest your way. And if anybody knew about discouragement church, it would have been Paul. Paul, the man who'd been shipwrecked. Paul, the man who'd been beaten. Paul, the man who'd been in prison. He would know what it was. Paul, the man who every time he left the church, people would talk bad about him. And false teachers and false prophets would come in every time he left. They would try to take the people away from the gospel of grace. They would try to bring them back to the law of Moses. They would try to tell them, you have to do in order to be saved. But Paul said, no, all you have to do is have faith in Jesus Christ. In the Bible, or rather in theological studies, they would call these people Judaizers. They were people who were saved, but yet they wanted to keep the law of Moses. They wanted to do all those things. They wanted to put people's salvation based on circumcision, based on feasts, and based on sacrifices. And Paul says, no. And they would talk bad about Paul, and they would badmouth Paul. And if they had a Facebook, they would indirect that Paul. If they had a cell phone, they might text Paul. They would tweet Paul, and they would throw Instagram pictures with words. And I don't understand that because Instagram is for pictures, but we put pictures of words now. It bugs me out. If it's a scripture, you get a pass. If it's your Facebook status, you need more friends. Amen. I'm talking about y'all who screenshot your Facebook, but I'll leave that for another day. Amen. He says, listen, I know about hardship. I know what it feels like to build a church and walk away and see thousands fall after I leave. But don't grow weary. I know what it feels like to work in vain. 
know what it feels like to sow into somebody for five years in the middle of nowhere and walk away to only hear they fell away from the gospel of grace. I know what it means to be discouraged, Paul says. I know what it means to give your life to people who will give it right back to you and say, we don't want your sacrifices. You're not good enough for me when sin seems more pleasurable than God. Paul says, listen, listen, I know what it means to be discouraged. He says, but I'm telling you, don't grow weary in well-doing. If anybody had a right to be discouraged, it would have been Paul. But Paul says, listen, if I can't be discouraged, you can't be discouraged. Come on, tell somebody next to you, don't grow weary in well-doing. Oftentimes the reason... We feel and think that serving God isn't worth it. It's because of the fruit of our labor isn't always quickly seen as we would want. Serving God doesn't always feel good because we can't always see the fruit of what we're doing. We feel as if maybe we failed. Oftentimes, serving God is hard because people are hard. Somebody said amen. Oftentimes, serving God is discouraging because people are discouraging. Oftentimes, it's hard to serve God because you're dealing with people who are tough. They come in all shapes and sizes with all manners of attitudes and issues. Yet, Paul says you cannot be discouraged in well-doing. Does it matter if you're dealing with short people or tall people, Hispanic people, African-American people, Oriental people? doesn't matter who you are. You can't be discouraged in dealing with people. Don't forget the context of what Paul is saying. He's talking about sowing into people. He says, you can't grow weary in well-doing. You can't grow tired of other people. I said it a couple of years ago, as a believer, you don't have the right to hate people. You don't have the right to have a negative opinion about anybody because if we're supposed to be followers of Christ, then we have the eyes of Christ. And we see people in the light of Christ. We don't see them with the thoughts of self and the reflections of what we think from their life. Well, that person's just, it doesn't matter what you think in the words of the rock. Amen. All that matters is what God says. Jabroni, I'm just playing about that last part. All my old, I just slipped back to my 15 years of age. The Lord just saved me. You just missed that. I got saved right here, right now. Amen. It doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what God thinks. I find it scary to have hate towards people God loves. I find it scary to have people who are saved. They're going to church. They're sanctified. They're putting up all these, oh, I love God. But they hate their brothers. We have ill will towards people. We get frustrated by their social media. It's because you're not forgiving them yet. You're still hurt. You got to let that stuff go, church. If other people discourage you, then your eyes were never on Jesus. Mm. He says, don't grow weary in well-doing. At some point this year or this week, you're going to come to the conclusion that following God might not be worth it. I say it like this. If sometimes you don't feel like God's not worth it, you might not be doing it right. Because I don't know about you, but daily all hell breaks loose against me. I don't mean that in small ways. I mean, spend the day with me. You would never want to hang out with me again for the whole day. Listen in to the calls that I get, to the brokenness that I have to hear, to the people that I have to just show God's love to. God 
is trying to move us into something greater. It's hard to hold on to the firm promises of God when when your resolve to follow God is shaky. Satan will use anything and anyone to discourage you. He'll love nothing more than for you to give up on God and make you believe that God's abandoned you, that God's forsaken you, that God's completely want nothing to do with you. But that could be further than the truth than you would believe because God, even in times where he doesn't seem like it, he's right with you. He's not gone nowhere. And Paul says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Church, can I just let you know that Satan discourages, but God encourages. All the works of Satan are rooted in discouraging you away from God. He says, you've got the right to be weary. You've got the right to be discouraged. Satan tells us, you have the right not to follow God today. You got the right to harbor negative feelings. You've got the right to talk to all your friends about the same problem, which is called gossip. you got the right to do it. He discourages you from following God and being Christ-like. And Paul's saying, don't grow weary. God says, yes, you can quit, but I got something great coming your way that you might miss. God says, yeah, you can quit. But you've got no idea what I've got for you and the impact I'm going to have on people through your life. Yeah, you can quit, but God says, no, if you would trust me, you would see what I see in you. Oftentimes, doing God's will will not feel good. Sowing into others doesn't always feel good. Sometimes you can pray for an hour and feel worse than you did when you first started. Everybody said, oh, that's so true, but I don't want to say amen because then people are going to know. Can I talk to someone today who's been hurt by people, hurt by ministry, hurt by Christians or judgmental individuals? Paul, this great theologian and pastor, didn't offer some great poetic advice and deep answer. He simply says, listen, don't get tired in doing God's will. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Because if you don't quit and if you don't give up, There's going to be a harvest coming your way. There's going to be a harvest coming into your life. I don't know about you, church, but I believe the harvest is coming. I believe that God is going to move not just in my life, but in your life. Sometimes as a pastor, you wonder if anyone gets it. But I believe that God is doing something deep inside your spirits, deep inside your inner man, that God is transforming you from the caterpillar to the butterfly. I believe that God is doing a regenerative work in your life. I believe that a harvest is coming not just to the ministry, but to my personal life, to my family, to my daughters, to my wife, to my household. Do you believe that God's going to do something for your year? Do you have expectation in 2015? Are you just flying by the seat of your pants? Are you taking it day by day? I don't know about you, but I got a harvest coming my way. I have no time to be discouraged. Discouragement focuses on the current situation, but God's encouragement focuses on further and future expectations. Satan says, look at the now. And God says, look at the later. I got something coming your way you couldn't imagine. And if you live life for the now, you're going to miss the later, church. And God says, look to me, the author and finisher of your faith. Look to me. Discouragement is rooted in feelings. 
God's encouragement is rooted in faith. And realize Satan always uses feelings to uproot your faith. He rarely ever uses facts. Because in fact, there is no reason to uproot your faith. But discouragement says you don't have to follow God. But God says, listen, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, don't walk by faith, walk by sight. He says, if you walk by faith and not by what you can see, do you realize, church, that what you can't see in your life is still more powerful than what you can see? Can you realize that faith doesn't ignore the facts? It ignores the power of the facts over your life. Faith doesn't say God's not real. Faith says that God, in spite of, will work in your life. That's what faith says. And oftentimes, Satan will work month after month, week after week, day after day, to discourage your faith in God. Why? Church, why? Why? What you really should ask yourself is, why is Satan so afraid of you getting to the harvest God has for you? What is so great about the harvest that he would do everything in your life to discourage you from getting to it? What is so great in the harvest that God is trying to bring you to it and Satan is trying to take you from it? I don't know about you. I believe a harvest is coming. I know I don't labor in vain, but God is doing something supernatural in my life. Here's my three points for you today. Here's point number one in coming with agreement. How many of you agree that God wants to do something in your life this year? Here's my first point for you today. I will focus on Jesus. I will focus on Jesus. My father, by trade, was a photographer. That was his profession. That's what he did before ministry and before Sikorsky's. He was a photographer, studied in Puerto Rico, and he loved taking pictures. He was very good at it. But for many years, my father, he let it go. And then what happened was I started working at CVS and I started working in their photo lab. And then I got interested in photos and I got interested in things. And one day I was messing around the basement and found all of my dad's old Nikon cameras. And I brought them upstairs and me and my dad started playing with them. And then dad bought me a really expensive camera and we would take pictures here and there. And we loved taking pictures. But the number one thing about the old cameras is that they didn't have what you call autofocus. And me and dad, would, we would buy 35 millimeter film and we would go out and we would see how we can get the nice pictures with old cameras. And we got great shots because they were very well made cameras. And so what we would do is you would look through the viewfinder and church, sometimes you couldn't really see what you wanted to and you had to focus in. You had to focus You had to mess with the lens to get things seen right. And sometimes, church, when things don't seem right in your life, you've got to learn how to focus on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. It says he is the author and the finisher. He is the founder and the perfecter of your faith, church. It says, look to Jesus. He started it. Did you understand that? He's the author of it. Did you not know when you read a book, the author always knows the ending? He says, look to Jesus. He knows your end. He knows where you're supposed to go. He knows your life. And if you would look to him and if you would focus on him and you would take your eyes off the glitz and glamour of the world and you would stop listening to ungodly people, for scripture says, blessed is he who does not sit under the counsel of the ungodly. 
But blessed is he who follows the ways of God. If you would just sit there and focus it on Christ, he is the perfecter and the finisher and the founder of your faith. In him all hope lies. In him all strength lies, church. Focus on Jesus. Consider his ultimate sacrifices. Listen to verse 3 of Hebrews 12. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Why did Jesus endure the cross, church? Not just for the forgiveness of your sins, but so that you would not have to be weary. That you would not have to be faint-hearted. That you could be able to look to him and find strength, saying to yourself, if he did that for me, I can do this little bit for him. If he laid down his life for me, I can live my life for him. He says, I did this for you so that you would not grow weary. Weariness comes, church, when you lose focus on Jesus. Paul declared that to combat weariness, you should consider the sacrifices of Christ. We get distracted by life and circumstances that we face and we focus in on those things and we pretend that circumstances are stronger than God. But church, God is stronger than your circumstances. He's more present than trouble in your life. You may not always see him, but he's there. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, we see the story of Jesus walking on the water and he comes to the disciples in the boat and Peter says, Lord, if that's you, call me out on the water. And the Bible says that Peter stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on water just like Christ. But then he began to see the winds and the waves. And the Bible says that once he did that, once he stopped looking at Jesus, he began to sing. Oh, I wish I had an honest Christian who says the moment last year you took your eyes off of Jesus, all hell began to break loose. When you decide to get away from prayer and away from the reading the scriptures and away from private worship and away from fellowship with believers is when you say, I don't know about this Jesus stuff anymore. I don't know about this church anymore. But if you would focus it on Christ, if you would focus it on God, church, you will not grow weary. You will not grow faint hearted. Peter was rescued by Jesus in the nick of time. James chapter 1 verse 6 says that a a double-minded man is like a man who's tossed in the waves of the sea. Just tossed back and forth. When you doubt God, when you go from believing God to doubting God, to loving God, to hating God, to needing God, to not even wanting God, you're like an ocean tossed back and forth in the, uh, rather a wave tossed back and forth in the ocean, James says. You're just like tossed around, no ground in you. No roots in God. You're just thrown back and forth. But if you were to keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith, through good and through bad, through tough times and through good times, if you would just say, Jesus, I'm holding on for dear life, no matter what my day looks like. I'm not going to act out of character with you. I'm not going to lose control of my mouth. God, I I would hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you like David said. Don't be distracted in your walk, church. Don't let sin get you down. Don't allow entertainment to steal your time. You've got to be a man or a woman of God on a mission. you got to focus in on Jesus. It doesn't always feel good 
to serve God. But even when it doesn't feel good, it's always worth it to follow Jesus. It's always worth it to follow him. When we focus in on him, you won't grow weary. You won't grow faint. Life will never be fear. But God is just and a man reaps what he sows. Here's point number two. I will, this is simple, continue to sow. Paul, in this context, he's talking about when you sow into others, when you sow into leadership, when you sow into others, when you carry the burdens of others. And oftentimes, if I had an honest church, the temptation when you're going through something, the temptation is to stop doing God's will. The temptation is to give up on everything God has called you to. Oftentimes, when you lose focus of Jesus, you are in danger of shifting the focus to self. And then in those moments, how you feel becomes more important than what God feels. You you stop sowing into the kingdom because you feel unappreciated. You stop sowing into your relationship with God because you don't see the results you want. You stop sowing into others because others weren't sowing into you. But God says, no, you can't do that. You can't grow weary in doing good. Because if you were doing good, because how it would make you feel in the first place, it never was for God. It was always about self. It was never about the people. It was never about the brethren. It was never about the church. It was never about the community. It was never about the family. It was always about self. He says, listen, don't grow discouraged in doing good. Have you ever been discouraged Like, I mean deep discouraged to the pit of your stomach. I've been there. And in those moments, in the hardest times of life, I've had to push through. Many years ago, I sat before an altar with the bishop, and I made a vow to follow God irregardless of my circumstances. And the Bible says, I've told you before, it's better to not make a vow with God than to make one and break it. And so I stick to my vow regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my feelings. I wish I had some honest believers who've been hindered by frustration to the point where you stop sowing for a season. You stop doing God's will. And instead of, instead of following God, we fell into the traps of the enemy. We begin to retract. You begin to make your world really small. But small people with small worlds think small. And God is big. And God has big vision for your life. And God has big plans for you. But we, we limit ourselves and say, no, I'm so I'm hurt. I'm hurt. People hurt me in church. I don't want to do God's will anymore. I don't like that three-year-old who's mad because they can't get that toy. And so they stand in the corner and stomp their feet and cross their run. I don't want to go play with little Timmy anymore because he has the toy that I want. And we get mad at God and we stomp our feet. And we hide in our houses and say, I don't want nothing to do with nobody. I don't want to deal with God's people because they're not like God and neither are you saying people aren't like God. Yeah. But Paul, Paul's opposite. He says, I know. I put it like this to you. Paul says in, in like 2015 language, I know people can suck sometimes. I know it. But you can't grow weary in well-doing. It doesn't matter how fake someone is if Christ in you is real. It doesn't matter. 
Because the love of Christ will conquer all. And the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. But some of us don't know how to love, so we can't cover people's sins. And we harbor them when we hold them rather than cover them. But Jesus covers a multitude of sin with his love for you and for me. We've got to cover, cover people. Come on, cover someone today. Someone who's hurt you, cover them with love. Someone who's betrayed you, cover them with love. Someone who's turned their back on you, cover them with love. Someone who's hurt you inadvertently, cover them with love. Focus on Jesus and continue doing God's will. 2 Corinthians 6 through 10. I love this verse. It's a little long, but just listen. Paul says, companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, don't squander a bit of this marvelous life that God has given you. God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time, in the day that you needed me. I was there to help. Well, now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late. Throwing a question mark over everything you're doing, over our work as God's servants gets validated in the details of life. People are watching us as we stay at our posts alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, when we're jailed, when we're mobbed, when you're working hard, when you're working late, when you're working without eating with a pure heart, a clear head, a steady hand, in gentleness, holiness, and honest love. When we're telling the truth, and when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting things right, when we're praised or when we're blamed, when we're slandered or when we're honored, true to our word, through though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but we refuse to die because we're immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy, living on handouts, yet enriching many, having nothing, but at the same time having it all. He says, don't grow weary in well-doing church. Don't grow weary this year in doing God's will. Allow God to be God and you to do what he's called you to do. Stay at your post. Don't stop sowing. Don't stop giving up on what God has positioned you to do because you got frustrated or weary. Focus on Jesus. Continue to sow. Paul says in in Galatians 6, 9, in, in the old school version, he says, if you don't faint, you're going to reap a harvest. NIV says, if you don't give up, but I like the faint better. It's more dramatic. You know, they don't say, I'm tired. I'm about to faint. Have full strength and consciousness, but they're like, I'm about to faint. I'm so tired. And it's so dramatic. If you don't faint, you're going to reap a harvest. Here's what many people don't realize. I don't want to scare you now, church. I don't want to scare you. But the hardest work is the harvest. It's not the sowing. It's the harvest. It's what God is trying to do in your life. The preparation is just God getting you ready to receive it. But then the harvest comes, and you're not just going to wait there for the harvest to come. Once it comes, then you have to harvest it. God's not going to package it and send it to you. He's going to make you work for it. 
And all the married men said, amen. Got married and I had to harvest some things in my life. And all the women said, not funny. Yeah. But sometimes God calls you to harvest things. He's not just going to give it to you. He's not just going to let it fall in your lap. God's not a genie. You can't rub him and get three wishes, church. If you work hard and you keep on sowing and you stay at your post and you don't grow weary in doing good, the harvest comes. You're going to feel like quitting on God before he moves in your life. He says you'll be to the point of wanting to faint, but yet if you don't, if you refuse to give up, if you fight the good fight, if you don't do it, you're going to reap in your life. I've hung on to that scripture for years that I would be to the point of fainting before God did the miraculous in my life. It's not easy serving God. Church, don't get relaxed. Don't get relaxed in your sowing. Don't do it. This word faint in the Greek, it means to loosen or relax. It doesn't mean to literally faint. It means don't loosen the grip on the things God's called you to do. Don't, don't release the hold of what he's put you in charge of. Don't release a hold of your prayer life, church. Don't release a hold of seeking God. He says, listen, hang on tight to what I've given you. Hang on and don't grow weary because when you finish, you're going to reap a harvest in your life. Come on, do you believe that today? That God has something coming for your year. Will it be easy? No. No. Serving God isn't always easy. Will it be worth it? Yes. Because every changed life that comes through yours is a legacy of eternity and eternal value. Everything God does in your life for the kingdom of God, it's eternal in value. It's not temporal. God has a greater vision for you, a greater plan for you. Here's my third and my last point. My third and my last point, another very simple point. It's this, I'll make room for my harvest. I'll make room for my harvest. This is old story I've shared with you a number of times, but I'll share it again. A story of a, a land that had a, a very extended drought. No rain had come to the place for years. And finally, the word of God came to the two farmers and God says, listen, I'm going to send the rain. I'm going to send the rain. The long-awaited harvest was about to happen. And one farmer, he went and he began to till the ground in his fields. He began to plant seeds. He began to do all types of work. He began to clean out his storehouses. He began to clean out everything. And he got ready for what God was going to do. And the other farmer who'd been hearing about God moving for so long. He'd been hearing about God was going to do it for so long. He got his favorite rocking chair and he put it on his porch and he grabbed the newspaper and began to read as he waited for God. Church, who do you think got the harvest? The one who waited or the one who prepared? There's more to waiting on God than sitting idle. Church, waiting on God means to prepare your house for the move of God. It means to prepare your heart for the work of God. It means to prepare your ministry for the will of God. 
You see, the thing about a farmer is this, is that every time the harvest time comes, he's got to empty out the old storehouse. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying to you today that there might be things in your life that God is trying to give you, but he can't because you're too full. Full of hurt and hate. Full of grudges and anger. Full of sin. And God can't give you the harvest he wants because you're already full. Can I tell you something, church? God won't waste the rain on those who aren't ready. Can I ask you a really deep question? Can I ask you a really profound question that God even asked me just last night? How much of my harvest has spoiled on the vine because you were not ready? How much of what God has tried to do in your life has been spoiled on the vine because of our inability to follow God's direction? How much of what God has tried to do in our life has turned into dead things because we were not ready to receive them, church? Oh, pastor, that sounds mean. No, it's the God's honest truth. That things in our life have died on the vine waiting for us to do it. But because self got in the way and we grew weary and well-doing, we couldn't reap that harvest. But God says today, it is a new season dawning. And if you would not grow weary this time and you would stay focused in on God and you would do what God's called you to do, church. There's a harvest coming to you. There's a harvest coming to you. But pastor, how am I supposed to harvest if I get tired and hurt? How am I supposed to harvest when serving God doesn't feel good? Church, we don't serve God to feel good. We serve God to do good and to be good and to live good. And oftentimes living good and living righteously and living godly, it hurts. I have endured much hurt. But then there's days like last night where someone over the course of the last couple of months, maybe years, I don't even know at this point, they talked about me. They said all manner of bad things about me. All types of lies. But last night, they sent me a message. And they said, Pastor Lewis, I'm so sorry everything I said about you I'm sorry if I ever acted crazy I'm so sorry and I I messaged them back and I said listen I forgave you the day it happened I've never held no grudge against you I love you with all my heart and I was able to do that because I never lashed back I never got out of character I maybe banged my head on my own walls I said to my wife, I want to yell, I want to scream. But through it all, I focused in on Jesus. I continued to sow, and I was making room for my harvest. And when you're doing God's work, you ain't got time to do self's work. When you're following God's will, there's no time to be distracted by the will of self. I punch myself in the face all the time. When I want to act up, Lewis, you can't do that. You got to do what God's called you to do. You got to follow God's heart. You got to follow God's will. No matter how much it hurts, make room for the harvest. Church, let me ask you this question. What are some things in your life that you have to let go of today in order for God to move in your life? What is it? 
What are those things that God's calling you to let go of? Maybe last year your whole plan fell apart. Maybe your life went to hell in a handbasket, as they say. But what is God calling you to do in 2015 to prepare the way of what he's trying to do in your life? I told you earlier about the story of a fighter, but I didn't finish my story. You see, the fighter was knocked down clean. The announcer was shouting, it's all over. And this fighter, I forget his name, he's a French fighter. He gets back to his feet and he's stumbling. He's clearly dazed. He's clearly hurt. And they knock him out again. He falls back down and he gets back up and he's just stumbling all over the place. And the other guy is trying to take advantage of the moment and he's trying to strike him. And the announcers are still yelling, it's all over. It's all over. And then out of nowhere, this fighter comes out with just the meanest right hook and he knocks the opponent out clear as day. What do you do when all your plans fall apart? You got to keep on fighting. You got to keep on pushing. You got to keep on pressing. Because you don't know where the things that God has called you to do will land. You don't know what God has called you, what demons he's called you to knock out. You don't know what spiritual principalities God has called you to combat. You don't know until you keep on fighting for God. You don't know. He could have given up and nobody would have blamed him. He could have covered up and laid down and nobody would have doubted him and said he was a bad fighter. It was just a bad day. You got knocked out. You lost. But he got back up and this man kept on fighting. I mean, the heart of a lion. He just got back up and he ended up in victory. He got knocked out twice in the same round. You know, when somebody's knocked out, just like he had a rubber for knees, noodles, but he prevailed. Even when everything fell apart, even when his whole plan mattered nothing, his whole strategy was out the door. Church, he won. And I don't know who I'm talking to today that maybe your life fell apart in 2014. Maybe your walk with God suffered last year, but you don't have to live in the mistakes of last year because God's faithfulness is greater than your unfaithfulness. And God's truth is greater than all the lies that are in your life. Can I encourage someone today to be expected of the harvest God has for you? And can I encourage someone today to let go of the things in your life that are taking the room the harvest should occupy? Come on, would you stand with me today as we go before the Lord in prayer? Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, there's some people today who the world would never blame you for giving up on God. There's some people today who would tell you you are well grounded in leaving God because you've endured so much hurt and so much pain yeah there's people who would tell you you should live life the way you want you should do whatever you would desire because serving God is tough and serving God is hard let alone serving God as an adult but serving God as a young man a teenager a young kid a, a single person trying to live holy and trying to stay clean in a really dirty world 
It's not easy to serve God. Yeah, but church, it's worth serving God. It's worth it. Pastor, that sounds good. But is it true? Let me tell you something. I live it every day. Every day of my life. That God is worthy and God is faithful and God is true. In spite even of my unfaithfulness. Pastor is not perfect. Pastor makes mistakes. And pastor still struggles with certain areas of his life. But yet, I'm surrendered to God. My will is his. And I'm believing that God is going to do something amazing. Not in my life. I prefer he does it in your life. That I can see the fruit of the blessings of God in your heart, in your life. I can see the fruit of God moving in you. Come on, would you do me a favor and just bow your heads? The Holy Spirit was moving during worship. But I believe he wants to do something greater now. You see, like the farmer who tilled the ground and planted seeds, worship God was just opening up your heart. And he sent me to deposit a word, a seed into your heart. And you can do one of two things. You can reject it as, a, as not for you. You can say, oh, that word wasn't for me. You could even get offended. But back in the old days, we called that convicted. We've got a generation of believers who just offended. Remember when I was a kid, we called that being convicted. And they spoke directly to my situation. The funny thing is when, when you have 20 people who say, he was talking about me. I ain't got time to talk about everybody. This is the Holy Spirit working with you. Let the Holy Spirit deal with you right now. That thing you feel, that's the Holy Spirit working on your heart. If it hit close to home, God was calling your number. Amen. Come on, I don't want to see you walk in defeat this year. I don't want to see you walk this year with a, a lack of, of, of expectation for God. But that through it all, you would focus in on God this year. You would trust his will. You would trust his word. And you would believe in him. That you would believe in him. Dear Lord, you see every person. You see every heart. Have your way, Holy Spirit. If I can get my prayer team to make your way to the front. If I can get the spottos to come help me today. Come on. Come on, prayer team. Come on, Janet. If you got a struggle in your life, church, if you got a struggle in your life, if your last year wasn't good, if you made big mistakes and you went the wrong way, if you didn't follow God and you didn't do what God's called you to do, you want someone to come in agreement you want someone to come in agreement today and so I need just to come in agreement and pray with me because I'm believing I'm believing that God will do greater in me if you're struggling with hurt pain unforgiveness the works of the enemy if you're struggling with addictions if you're struggling with sin We want to pray with you today that you would not have to live one more day under the bondage of the world, under the bondage of Satan, that you wouldn't have to live under the condemnation of your own life, but that you would make room for the harvest that is coming your way. 
Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on. If you know that God is dealing with you, if you know that God is talking to you, today is not a day to be shy. Today is not a day to be proudful. Today is a day to make it right with the Lord. The Word of God says today is the day of salvation. Now is the moment where God can work with you. Today, now, today. I don't care how great or how small the need is in your life. If you know God is dealing with you, I want you to make your way right now to this front. You're saying, God, I need someone to just pray with me. I need someone to come to me. I need someone to lift me up. I need someone to come in agreement with me. I'm walking with things that I need God to help me unleash. I need God to help set me free. Come on, if you're living under the condemnation of mistakes, you're saying, I did things and I'm living under this condemnation, but I want God to set me free. I want Jesus. I want Christ. I want the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit. Marie Carlos, could you come help me pray for some people today? I want the Holy Spirit. Jamie, Victoria, come on, help me pray for some people today. I want the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit. Father God, Father God, we want to deal with you the way you want us to, God. God, we want to work. We want to work the way you want us to, God. Father God, we want to see freedom in the house of God. We want to see freedom in the people of God. We want to see leadership come in agreement. We're coming in agreement with you right now that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The enemy shall not have your soul in 2015. He will not distract you in Jesus' name. Come on. If you're sitting in your seat, just extend your hand to these people who are being prayed for right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're believing for bondages to be broken. We're believing for lives to be set free brokenness shall be destroyed today in Jesus name So 